Good morning, Remy. Good morning, Rick. How's it going today? It's going. Welcome to Coffee with the Cowgirls. I'm Brett Kruger. And I'm Remy Greer. It's a little meh this week. Yeah, you, had a, you had a rough week this week. I did have a rough week this week. I did. Um, it's hard to even talk about like all of our weekly chatter that we do about things that happened up until then because I don't know. Gives you a whole new perspective on what I'm not complaining about the minutiae of my life right now. You know, it does. Um, for those of you who may know or don't know, I lost my best friend to cancer on Monday. And um, I've never lost anybody that I've been so close to Remy at such a young age. I've lost grandparents. They were older in nursing homes, which is still very hard, but not like losing a young life. Have you? Um, I've lost, unfortunately, a couple of friends that I was very close to. Um, and uh, it does, it puts, and some of them were so full of life too, right? I mean, fortunately, none of them were from, um, and we're going to talk about it, right? None of them were a long standing disease. Most of them were accidents. Um, and uh, so it happens quickly. Now, James's dad, who I was particularly close with, we watched struggle for a while and he wasn't, you know, he wasn't that old. And that was another person where you watch cancer take away everything that they had and then wear their way to nothing. So it's difficult, but I, I've lost good friends that are around my age and um, it's, and, and we were young. I mean, even then we were, we were younger then and it was a lot to, to process, especially when you're like, I just, uh, when one of them died, I literally talked to them the day before and it was an accident, but it's one of those things where you feel so dumb when you say it, you're like, I just talked to them yesterday. Well, of course you just talked to them yesterday. It was an accident. It wasn't. I understand what you're saying and I've thought about that so much about is it easier if it's unexpected or is it easier if you have the closure and getting to say goodbye in the time I don't think that there's a clear-cut answer on that for either of them I don't think it's easier no matter how it happens I've decided um, not getting the closure to say goodbye on an unexpected death would be terrible. At least we were granted that. But then her family also had to sit there and watch her in pain. I mean, she's remarkable in the fact that she, even till the very end, um, she would hide that from her children. I don't know how she did it. Strong-willed and stubborn. No, and you know, as a we, I have another good friend that's going. She has a bone cancer in her back, and she's going through all of it. And this winter, they didn't think that she was 
gonna survive. I was actually at a horse show and got a phone, I got a phone call from her and she thought that that was gonna be her last time going into the hospital for treatment because they didn't think they could do anything to stop it. And thankfully they're doing some stem cell stuff on her now, but you know, it's granting her more time, but she doesn't know. And it was the same thing. She didn't want her kids to see how much pain she was in and how much it was taking away from her. Which, you know, it's remarkable the strength that a person will muster up for the face of their kid. You know, it's just, it's another mom thing, right? It's another superhuman thing you can do so that your kids, to save them some of the, some of the pain, even if they can see some of it, you know, to save them some of that pain for the future. I will tell a little bit of her story because I think it's important and I think that there is a possibility it could help somebody else. Um, she got sick in 2000, November of 2019 to the point of she had to go to the ICU. They did not know what it was. She was in full seclusion at the ICU. They thought it was meningitis, but it, it was not meningitis. She was in full seclusion for two full days. And I believe that that was probably the start of the cancer and it was never caught because it could never be diagnosed what she actually had. And once she came out of the ICU and into recovery, she did get, she was, she got better. She went back to being herself, but then right I don't remember if it was right before because the COVID hit in March of 2020. Yeah. I know it was not, I, I think that it was in between the time of her going into the ICU and March of 2020. She started bleeding more than you would just if you had your regular period. And she did go to her gynecologist, but her gynecologist told her that it was her birth control or coming off of the birth control. I can't really remember. And just shocked it up to that. But she never, she never quit. She couldn't. And then COVID hit and it got hard to get in. The points, appointments were getting canceled and rescheduled. And when she finally went back in, um, they found a sister tumor on her ovaries and that was the start of her cancer with that being said i think it's very important because life got busy life got busy and she did get better from november i think that we all think we're superhuman and it won't be us or you're fine you've got kids to live for you've got things that you have to do her job and her family were extremely important to her, like it is for most of us. And she put her nose down and just kept working. No, you know, we do. It's a good message to remember to listen to your body because, and get a second opinion if you don't think something's right. It's better for them to call you a hypochondriac than for uh, you to be misdiagnosed. And statistically, the numbers of women being misdiagnosed are ridiculously high. Honestly, Remy, I think I would be the same way because I do not like doctors. She was stubborn. I'm pretty stubborn. And 
I think that I would have accepted that answer too and rolled on with my life. And then how, so how long was it until she was then diagnosed? So what, so when did she end up getting in to be diagnosed? So that first bout in the hospital and ICU when they thought it was meningitis was 2019, November. And I want to say that they found the cancer in the fall of 2020. The fall or the summer. So she beat it the first time. And something that I did not know is it, everybody asks, what kind of cancer is it? Breast cancer, um, stomach cancer, lung cancer. Every type of cancer or where it's located is either cellular or non-cellular cancer. And hers was located in her ovaries, but it was cellular cancer. And cellular cancer is extremely hard to beat. I don't know if you can. She beat the ovarian cancer. But when she beat it, they told her that it it's not when we see you, it's, or it's not if we see you, it's when we see you. And it came back less than a year later in her hip. And then from there, it just kept spreading. But that is cellular cancer. And she did all of, I've thought so much about this too. And I would be no different because you have to have faith in something you can't see, which for the majority of us, we do. But when it's your life in your hands, it would be really hard. And I'm talking about there's so many advancements in modern medicine and the technology. We have been taught and trained to believe everything that they've said our whole lives because they're doctors. They're amazing, wonderful people who have the abilities to help heal us. We are not doctors. They are. So we trust. We put our trust in them that they're leading us down the right path. But there's also been so many good things that have come out of natural um, treatments. We've seen lots of people. We've heard lots of stories. And unfortunately, those aren't the ones that are broadcast a lot because there's not a lot of money being made out of them, off of them, from the pharmaceutical companies. I just, I have super mixed emotions about this now after watching her go through this. Because I do, I don't know. I wish that she would have been able to give more of a try to some more natural things. The doctors wouldn't let her though. Yeah, it's uh, if someone has watched a lot of failure with natural remedies in close circles of friends, I will tend toward the poison that you know will kill the cancer. It's hard so, for me. So my, my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer. Um, the radiation now that they do for like as a normal part of breast cancer treatment, she was in the study group for. And it created a lot of long-term side effects. So she's numb in her hands, or no, in her feet and her legs. That's why she does. That's why she quit riding when she did. 
Now I had another good friend whose mother was diagnosed with the exact same breast cancer and did a lot of other things and ended up dying within a year and a half. But I think she again, didn't, she wouldn't do modern medicine is what no, you're saying. She, she followed homeopathic and, and it's one of those things where you have to listen to your body. I think I really wish that there was a better marriage of the two. And I also wish that chemo and radiation weren't nearly as invasive as they are because you walk and it's, it's horrible, it's horrible. And you watch it take a lot away from a lot of people. And um, so they had originally, I'm, even when this first, she was first diagnosed, they gave her a very slim chance, slim chance, slim to none chance that she would beat this. I mean, it was less than 5%. And a lot of her close friends got together and did research and told her you know, said, do, do the treatments, but also try this. And the try was actually safeguard Remy. And she did tell the doctors and the doctors said, don't do it. And she did do it. She did do it. And uh, it was on a pretty consistent basis, I believe, at first. And when she went back for her PET scan, first PET scan after consistently being on it, the tumor and growth had shrank or showed no significant growth. But then once she started chemo, she had to kind of quit it because if she, if there was anything that she liked to eat, if there was anything that she liked to wear, if there was anything that she had to continue taking, like... Um, gummies were providing her a lot of relief because she couldn't sleep. And so she was taking those at night. She couldn't do that during chemo and she couldn't do that safeguard during chemo because if she did, she'd never do it again because the chemo left such bad taste in her. It made everything taste like metal and she hated the way she felt on chemo. She would get so sick on chemo that I just remember her telling me that when people would send her gifts, we were, her and I were never gift people. It, our relationship was never about that. We're both tight asses. She, she was way better than I am, but our relationship was never about that. And I sent her a big care package when she first got diagnosed. And she took everything that she got during that time and put it up in her attic. And I'm pretty sure she gave it all to Goodwill. She said, I can't, all of this stuff makes me remember how I felt. It reminds me of how hard chemo is, how much it hurts me. I want it out of my house. I get that. Um, and I do, I wish there was a, a better, simpler solution, not, not a simpler solution, an easier solution and one that would incorporate more than just the, I mean, chemotherapy is poisoning your body in order to get rid of one problem. But it, you know, and it's like everything in life, you solve one problem, but there, there will, there's an effect. You pay for the cure in one way or the other. And, uh, and I, I like, 
you know, same thing going back to James's dad. So this was a guy that was a vascular surgeon, was still practicing, got diagnosed, kept practicing, would do chemo one week. On his week off, he still was doing surgery. And um, it was tough to watch him wither away and still try and do it. Now, he thought, you know, chemo was the best option, but it's the same thing. He didn't have a great prognosis. And, uh, I would, too. That is what I was trying to convey earlier, is that I have thought about that so much. If I was, it wouldn't matter what chance I was given to live. I would be hard for me to go down a path that is unknown because it's not talked about, but there's also been a lot of success rates with it and not walk with a doctor who's got a degree that is the best at his job or the best at their job, her job. I would trust that too, because it would be really hard to change the mindset. You want to be saved. You're going to go with what we've been trained to think. Um, I've just thought about that so much. What if things been different? She would have tried something else. She did not get the time to try something else. No, and we, uh, so my aunt had bladder cancer. I don't know, a while ago. And, um, you know, and it's another thing that you, you, and the unfortunate part is, and it sounds morbid, you have to think about these things before you're sick. So my aunt had bladder cancer. Decided and that, no, I, I mean, we're young <laughs> and living, Remy. So I, I, will t I will tell you because I've been surrounded by death and cancer. I have an eventuality for all of these things that I've so already you're told saying you that you know what you would do for treatment is that I don't even know what eventuality means Remy so, so like my aunt had bladder cancer uh, my mom went with her and she had two options which was you know and this sounds horrible it's a horrible choice six months relatively pain-free to live your life right no bag nothing um from pain management but that's it well she decided to do the surgery to live another six months now her quality of life was only good for about three so did she live longer yes was it worth it again and it sounds so cold and calculated i would have taken the six months pain-free rather than because what she had was ter it was going to be terminal and end stage so it's the same thing um i've been around a lot of breast cancer my mom had breast cancer there's a history of it and um, I had the conversation with James when we were dating. We've had it since then. We've had some other friends that are diagnosed. If I was diagnosed, I would have a double mastectomy right away without leaving flaps for reconstruction because it's- really If bad. I had breast cancer, I would do the same. I don't have to think about that. I And so it's, one, so it's one of those things like, but it's a big question for a lot of women and they don't think about it before the time comes. But now the time comes and you're kind of, under the hammer right like you have to make a decision and sometimes it leads to longer term decisions so um it's it sounds horrible but you have to start 
And it's what's true. You just have to think about it before it happens because you are not going to make the right, look, you're not going to make the right decision anyway. Like, uh, but you want to have some sort of a game plan and a partner that will back up your um, decisions when the time comes. Hillary was extremely lucky with her life partner, Jeff. He was amazing. Super busy guy. Who isn't? Um, plateful, stubborn, just like she is. Wouldn't accept a lot of help from others. Could do it all. I don't think that he ever missed an appointment with her. He he took her to everything. Um, it's it was really I don't know. It was amazing to see. Um. So I did go there. I. Her mom called me on Saturday and said that if you want to see her, you got to get here. So I left on Sunday morning. It's about a, it's a little over six hours for me. And I didn't tell them I was coming. I just got in my truck and went. And when I decided to go, she was still at home. But things were pretty touch and go. And they had told her uh, two weeks ago yesterday that she had one to two months to live. And her and I had a huge conversation, over an hour conversation that day. And we talked about everything from, you know, her sadness for not getting to be there for her kids. And she was pissed and I don't blame her. She was scared. She was scared about heaven. She believed in heaven, but when you're facing it down at 42 years old, I suppose that you do question what's on the other side. And that was pretty much the last time that I had, I got to have a conversation with her because she got weak so fast. And when I was about three hours there, too far to turn around, it was definitely too far to turn around on Sunday. And I wasn't turning around. Her mom called me and said, Breck, just stay where you're at. You're not going to make it. So I sent Hillary a text and I said, you fucking hang on because I'm coming. And then... So I was a wreck. I was at a gas station. And um, Brandon was mad because he didn't go with me. But none of us knew that it was going to happen like that, you know? None of us had any clue because we all thought that we had more time to. So I got in the truck and he didn't want me driving. Her mom didn't want me driving. I'm like, I'm going to come. And I was driving pretty fast. And then I remembered that my brother wasn't, my brother did not live far from where I was. So I called him and he happened to be an hour away. And he 
I drove to him and he drove me the rest of the way. So we got there and she was surrounded by her family. She knew I was there. She said very little words, but she said twice in two sec or two sentences. She said three things in long sentences. And the one was really funny. She said, she introduced me to two people. She's like, this is my friend, Brad. So she knew I was there. And the other thing that she said of length was, <laughs> her favorite word was fuck. And her, her mom and husband were just aggravating the shit out of her. She wanted her legs to hang off the side of the bed because she had so much swelling. And her mom and husband were arguing about doing it or not. They didn't want to do it because her heart rate would go up every time they would do it. She's like, just put me over there. I want my feet to hang off. So they said, we're going to do it. But if your heart rate goes back up, you're going back to laying down. Do you understand? She nodded. They put her legs down and then they were both fussing over how she was sitting and moving her around and pushing her. And she goes, put me fucking back. I'm tired of you two arguing. <laughs> and I loved that because that is who she was. And it was hard to see her in that moment. So I got to spend a lot of time with her on Saturday or Sunday. And I got to spend time with her on Monday. I was there with her for about an hour. And she looked so at peace. And then she went away to be in heaven. And her mom had told me about a month ago. And I wish that I could show you guys. I'll find it. It was beautiful. And it made my heart so happy. Hillary had this horse named Bold in college. And his ears were froze off. He was a really good horse, but he was funny. And it was her mom's horse, too. So when Hillary went home from college, Bold went to Sheila's. Sheila had that horse forever, up until a month or two ago. And she put Bold down. And she tied a piece of Hillary's hair to his mane. So that he could find her easily when she got there. So now Hillary's mom has this beautiful picture. And it's of a sorrel or as a bay horse, which Bold was bay with wings. And this pain-free girl riding on his back. So yeah, it um it was as hard as it was to be there. It was such a good feeling of peace over my heart to be with her family. Um, because I, don't, I, I haven't seen them in ages. I hated the reason that we were brought together. But just to talk about her and the life that she led and the fearlessness 
she was she never let grass grow under her feet she was always after something it was good no it's uh it's like uh brett called me to go to good she goes no not really i said how is hillary and um so that was it's tough from the outside too because you I was hoping for a better outcome for you to go, right? We got a little more time. I made it there in time, but we have more time. And uh, it does, it makes you start, the hard part about watching someone die as opposed to being an accident or sudden, it's, it makes you start to question and think about a lot of other things that we would prefer to ignore. You know, none of us really, uh, death and cancer specifically do very funny things to friendships because there's a lot, who you think you can count on sometimes won't be there because they don't want to see someone getting sick because it's a mirror of their own mortality. And then some other people that you don't think are going to be there show up with support and um, it does, it makes you evaluate from the outside, it makes you evaluate what's important and who's important. Uh, like I said, I had, a, I had a friend that's going through stem cell for cancer right now and uh, they had to move out of their house. And it's kind of a mess, messy situation. She had to move out of her house and another good friend of mine had a baby shower and she goes, I didn't have the time to go to the baby shower, but with thinking that I was gonna die last year and coming out of it, she goes, I took the day. It didn't matter that it meant I had to work harder the next day. I took the day to see the people that make me feel better. Mm -hmm. You know, um, yesterday I was talking to my really good girlfriend, Kim, and she says to me, she called me to tell me this, and she's like, Breck, the amount of people who are posting on her page and the stories that she tells and or they're telling and the life that she led and the person she was it is simply amazing she had so many friends she had so many friends and i she did she she had a a group of there was like i don't even know 10 of them from high school that they were all still really close um which there's not a lot of, I don't have that. I had her, I have, a, I have my housewives, but I only had her and Kim. I've got Kim and Ann too. I have a lot of friends, I think. Sometimes I say I don't, but I do. But Kim was like, my God, Brett, I wouldn't have that many people that, that would, would um, post that kind of stuff on my page if I passed away. I don't have any friends. And I, she did have me laughing because she does. <laughs> She's like, I would only have you and Anne. You would be the only ones who post anything. But it does make me think. Like, haven't you seen that meme where it's like, uh, I gotta lose weight before I die because I've only got one bitch that'll carry my casket? Mm -mm. It's really funny. I, I, so this is the other thing that I realized with uh, 
I don't know. Look, I grew up like Sicilian Catholic. Everyone was either dying or getting married at some point. So we went to a lot of funerals and a lot of weddings. When I was little, I had a black, long sleeves, kind of sparkly dress that uh, I wore to both of them, weddings and funerals. It was a catch-all dress. <laughs> um, but uh, it's funny when you, you know, I've talked about when you're like, we're all like co-stars or guest stars or character actors in somebody else in somebody else's life. So, um, you know, like you'll go to a funeral or we have like a lot, because we're Catholic, there's a lot of wakes and you'll uh, meet people that, you know, you'd heard stories about and you can see like how someone was more important or less important than you thought in their lives. And not in a bad way, right? Like I was at a funeral one time and someone was uh, talking about like all the time they spent and how important this person was to them. And I was there for that part of that person's life. And I was like, I barely remember you being around. And so I'm, I'm only saying that because like, I, I think we all have more friends than we think we have because, you know. I, I think so too. And I think that there's, there's a lot of people who make, you make impacts on their lives and you don't even realize it. Uh, she was the person, I mean, everybody loved her. Everybody loved her because she had a big heart. She cared deeply. She was super freaking funny. Um, she was a good friend to many. And it didn't matter if she met him for an hour or knew him her whole life. Um, so. But on my way home, you know what? It's hard to, as I said, I did not, I knew it was going to be hard. I did not know how hard it would be. It was a mixed emotions. I'm so glad I was there. It was mixed emotions because it's peace and sadness at the same time. And as I was driving home, I couldn't, I was just so mad. I was mad at myself because I didn't save a voicemail of hers so I could hear her voice and that was really really bothering me and her plan was to do videos for her kids and her husband letters she was gonna tell them you know Johnny she was gonna tell Johnny things about dating and marriage and all of the things college and jo or cut her the same thing she's gonna tell Jeff how much she loved him and I don't think that she got a chance to do any of it. She got sick way too fast. Uh, once again, that's one of those things. But how hard would that be to sit there and, and look into a camera and tell your kids about their future and what you want? That's not easy. That couldn't be easy. And let's be honest, Breck, we don't plan enough to do it anyway, so. <laughs> no. I, I hear these stories, you know, you hear those stories, right, where someone knows they're sick and they write their child a letter for their next 10 birthdays, and I was like, I, I don't mentally think I could do it anyway. No, I, I don't either. Well, as I was 
just being so sad about that. I remembered that two years ago, her and I did a coffee with the cowgirls together. And I was so thankful for that. And I went back and I listened to it. And at that time, we had no idea what that video was going to mean. But she said some super important things in there for the benefit of her husband. And she was so proud of her husband and him taking on this huge workload and still taking her to do all of the appointments. I mean, I saw it with my own eyes how amazing he was. And I don't know if he ever would recognize the fact how awesome that she thought he was without it coming out of her mouth. And now he gets to hear it all the time. She talked about her kids and how when she got sick, it was during COVID. And she locked herself down. She did not go anywhere. She couldn't get the COVID shot because her immunity was too low. But if she got COVID, it would have killed her because her immunity was too low. Those preventatives that she took to save her life for her kids, amazing. She was in so much pain, but yet she still worked because that's who she was. She talked about her mindset and how her mindset was like a steel trap during that time. It was unlike anything that I've ever seen. And she talked about all of it. I'm thankful that that's there. So when they miss her, they can hear her voice. And when they miss her, they can hear her story and her love for them. Me too. <laughs> Me too. And uh, guys, if you're watching or listening, Breck reposted that on our uh, Facebook page. And you can find it on the YouTube channel too. And it was terrible. I, as I watched it, I'm like, my God, I haven't redecorated anything behind me since we started doing this. I should do something different. Uh, it didn't matter how terrible it was. I think that I've gotten better. <laughs> I'm just glad that her and I did it. Oh, because you get to have a piece of her for forever, you know, yeah. and she gets to tell her own story in her own word. Um, Absolutely, Remy. Absolutely. Yeah, so that's all I, I've got, I guess. I don't know. I will tell you when you lose friends as compared. It happens with grandparents, too, but and it happens more with parents. Is, uh, it's funny things that hit you. Like, for me, grief hits me in different ways. It's funny things. It's like wanting to call them and tell them something and they're not there anymore. That's like specific to that person. And I watched James struggle with it a lot. He tried not to wear mascara because I knew you were gonna cry and then I was gonna cry and now I'm gonna cry all on my own. Yeah. Um, I watched James struggle with it a lot about his dad because there's he's like, there's so many things I wanna tell him. Like he was looking for a tool the other day and he was like, I totally get it. So my dad was always like, where are my tools? And he's like, I'm the same way. Where are they? No one's taking them. They just wandered off. Um, 
but I had a really good friend in high school that passed away. And there's just dumb stuff that strikes me and you're like, oh, I'll shoot them a text. But I won't, you know, and, um, and it's, it's very weird. Grief comes, like for me anyway, it always comes in very weird spot. Not normally when you think it would hit you. Oh, I know. I know. I know. And you feel selfish. I felt so selfish during her time of sickness because she, she's, she's the one I tell everything to. She's the one who listens when I'm crazy and doesn't tell me I'm crazy. Actually, about a month ago, I'm pretty sure I was having a full-on panic attack on my way to town. It was like 9.30. And I called her, bawling. And she's like, you need to settle down. Do you want to trade spots with me? We both laughed. And she, she's like, I'm going to send you some of my anxiety medication. I really think it helps. Like, you're not sending me your fucking anxiety medication, Hillary. That sounds crazy. We'll get in trouble for sending it through the mail. And, um... Could have, like, stuffed in a teddy bear, you guys. Could you draw them? <laughs> oh, yeah, that wouldn't look suspicious <laughs> if they found it, Remy. Uh, but, um... I think I just... I just... I just was having that attack because I... I knew our time was probably so short, and... Then I, I just screamed out. I'm like, who am I going to call and be crazy to when you're not here? And, uh, you know, I think it was just a reality check for both of us. And then we did have a laugh at the hospital, I think. I think she was laughing. She couldn't, but I think she was laughing. I'm like, your mom told me that I have to be her person now. And she, I don't want to be, I don't want to tell her this shit. She'll think we're crazy or I'm crazy Hillary. And she'll be like, what the hell were you friends with this person for, for so long? Sheila can't be my person. I can't tell her my shit. No, it's a, I, you know, and you always hear like, you know, you always hear everyone tells you like, oh, live your life to the fullest. Do this. You're never promised tomorrow. It's totally true. Uh, but we all get busy trying to make a living and getting trapped in other things. So cancer sucks. It does. And it was, it was just, I can't imagine losing a child. I can't imagine losing a child. It was really hard to watch her mom let her go. I can't imagine losing the love of my life. It's really hard to watch her husband be so strong. He was so strong because he's got kids and that's how she would have been. It was hard for me to know that he was breaking apart inside, but yet so stoic and stand up on the outside. It was terrible to watch her kids lose their mother. 
that, those three things, we all lost somebody we love. But I didn't lose my mom. I didn't lose my spouse. And I didn't lose my daughter. I, I don't know that. That is probably the, that was the toughest part of my whole trip was those four people having to say goodbye because life is not supposed to be like that. No, it's a, you know, hopefully the wake that you go to this week will be full of funny stories because she wanted a celebration of life. So it will be, it'll be. So, uh, Great one. We, uh, when my grandmother died, she was the last of her sisters to die. And her sisters were all very, very funny too. She was kind of, my grandmother was like Sophia from the Golden Girls, except for with dark hair, but like this small, very feisty uh, woman. And, uh, but I, it might not have been, it was either her funeral or her sister, my aunt, my great aunt Georgie's funeral. And my dad and his cousins were all calling each other by numbers. Okay, number one, number four, number three. Well, um, because all the, you know, all the generation before were dying or dead, they put a list together of who came next, and now they only call each other by their numbers. Oh, God. <laughs> but it's one of those things, like, it was so, it's so funny. <laughs> And um, all of those funerals and service. It was so my great aunt Georgie, when she died, it was a very funny service. And her sons were hilarious. Like we were crying from laughing, like in the church, you know. And again, it's a Catholic church, but you still have eulogies. And uh, we were like, my sides hurt. And it was a pretty good reception. And then, um, when my grandmother died, it's the same, you know, the wake was, or the, the viewing was pretty big. The funeral was decent sized, and the reception afterwards was really small. And my dad looks around and he goes, well, maybe mine will be bigger because not everyone will be dead by then. <laughs> and it sounds horrible, but you know, it's, it's, it's funny to watch because then you go, when I went to the funeral for people my age, these, you know, receptions are huge and it's people telling stories and uh it's uh it's also funny things you remember about people like later that strike you um one of my friends used to laugh really loud but when she thought something was really funny she just kind of did this low grumbling laugh and i'll hear it from so like you know i'll kind of hear it from someone and it makes you almost turn around like, oh, she's right there. Because, like, her real laugh wasn't the, like, big laugh she did for everyone else. It was just, like, this very small chuckle. But she only did when things were really funny to her. And, like, you'll be standing in line and you'll hear it. And you're just like... So, you know. I think you find pieces. You'll find your person. I'll have to be your person now. I already know you're crazy. It's okay. <laughs> uh, I think the moral of the story is... Um... Death is hard. I don't think that either way it happens, if it happens unexpected or if you have the time to have closure, 
my experience after this weekend is it is hard every way that you look at it. Doesn't matter if they're old or young, it's hard because somebody is still going to miss that person immensely in what they brought to this world. You know what? I, I honestly think that we fool ourselves when they tell us we have more time with someone, right? They'll make it through or we have more time. We are selfish people. We take it for granted. I can tell you that was my case. I was selfish with it. You were just human with it. It's not selfish. We just... I No, I agree. Um, I agree. I think that that's what I'm saying. I think as society, we are selfish with time. All of us. So, you know, hold your loved ones. Get double checked. Say fuck a lot today because it was Hillary's favorite word. It's mine too. So. Yeah. Well, it was not an easy conversation, but I think it was definitely one that needed to be had, Remy, because there, it is a celebration of her life, but there's also a lot of good messages in there that could help somebody else or, like you said, get checks, um, make the time. And she did make the time. I'm not saying that, just she thought, like most of us would, that everything will be fine. Maybe it wouldn't have mattered. Maybe it would have. We don't know. So thank you. Thank you. Next week we have a guest, I believe. I think so. Yeah, yes, we do. We do. I saw your message. I'm not on the planning committee, so yes, I sent the messages. So next week we have an interview with uh, Kay Walters. Yeah. That's Next what the, the Facebook messages say. <laughs> that is what they say. Until next week, be bold. Be brave. Be humble. We'll see you next week, Rem. All right. Bye. Bye.